My name is Steve Williams. And I'm Clara Williams. We would like to welcome you to our new podcast, Voices from the Choir, Oh Happy Day Reflections. This podcast is about my journey growing up in the San Francisco, Oakland Bay Area, along with my cousin Diane, my childhood friends Kathy, Donald, Arva, Gwen, and Arva and Gwen's cousin Ron, and our time as members of the Edward Hawkins Singers. We'll each share stories which began with singing in the Northern California State Youth Choir of the Church of God in Christ. Our incredible journey starts when we recorded an album that included the song, Oh Happy Day, which changed our lives. We've never shared these stories until now. Over the years of our marriage, Claire has always wanted to tell the story of this life-changing event. I'll be your host through these nine episodes as we hear from these voices from the choir. Get ready to receive the word from our guest. Pastor Ron Thompson anchors his reflections with the Northern California State Youth Choir and the Edwin Hawkins Singers as he describes the many ways the Holy Spirit was an integral part of the choir's DNA. Ron shares his journey as a young man raising a family while working at the General Motors plant in Fremont, California. His unique story includes his time singing in the Laney Junior College Choir with Edwin Hawkins. It sure is great to have you, and this is a a continuing conversation that we're having on a 52-year history of the original Hawkins Singers, just sharing stories, just uh, lifting up, talking about how this incredible experience really transformed people and just a behind-the-scenes kind of look at that story. We are so thankful for you to agree to be here today because, one, we haven't talked to too many men yet. (laughs) So it's really great. And maybe that's something that, Ron, that you can share experience about it. But before we really jump in on it, tell us a little about yourself, you know, the community that you're in and how that journey to the uh, Northern California Youth Choir actually transpired for you. Well, uh, again, I'm so glad to be here, my brother and sister. Um, I was born in the year of 1947 in Oakland, California. And um We attended the Mingleton Temple Church of God in Christ in Oakland from growing up and going to various musicals and different concerts and things. We grew up with uh, quite a number of uh, talented young people uh, in Oakland, including uh, the Hawkins family. It turns out uh, when um, Ed had started the, uh, well, not started, he was actually, I guess, the the director of the uh, Northern California State Youth Choir uh, under Bishop uh, B.R. Stewart. They became uh, one of the most popular choirs in the area. Uh, I was asked to join uh, upon being a member of the Laney Junior College Choir. Uh, I had uh, graduated from high school and started going there, and my goodness, Ed Hawkins just happened to be a member, had joined that Laney Choir as well, and I guess he thought I was a pretty good tenor, and so he asked me to come and and join the choir. He also had a group called the Hebrew Boys, and he asked me to get in that group. Wow, what a opportunity. Then he says, oh, we're getting ready to go on a, a, a U.S. tour. And I says, wow, look at God blessing. And so that's how the initial thing got started, uh, I guess, from us 
really meeting up at Laney Junior College. Yeah, that was yes. one of the junior colleges in the East Bay, Merritt being another one. But I, I, they had a gospel choir at the junior college, huh? No, this was not a gospel choir. This was just a regular choir at, at Laney Junior College. Uh, I guess he was going there to kind of tighten up some things in his repertoire. And I was going there to try to get my associate in arts degree. That's, <laughs> yes. that's one of the courses I was taking. So we met up in the, in the college choir. Now tell me about the Hebrew boys. Well, uh, the Hebrew boys was a, a, a group made up of, of Ed Hawkins, Walter Hawkins, Harold Brinkley, uh, and myself. Uh, his other brother, Daniel Hawkins, uh, was a member. He actually played the, the keyboards as well, but it, it was a group within the choir, I guess you could say. And uh, uh, we had an opportunity to, to record an album as well. Uh, and again, we were just uh, members of the choir. No, that's amazing uh, because that's some... Um, uh, the gospel scene and the and the community that existed during that time because we're talking what 67 68 60 67 68 yes right 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 and so who, who were the influences who were the other um you know gospel artists um at that time that that you were looking at or here listening to and following oh there's so many so many uh of course Growing up, Mahalia Jackson, uh, James Cleveland, the Mighty Clouds of Joy, the Soul Stirs. Mm -hmm. We had groups at our local church, just like all the churches. We had a group called the, the Voices of Joy. Basically, we were a uh, quartet-style group. Right. And, and then we had another group called the Chimes of Faith. We were blessed with so many talented gospel singers around the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, Mingleton Temple, the uh, uh, church that you attended, they participated in the, the, the Kojic competitions for choirs and, and um, that usually took place around there, as opposed to the Northern California Youth Choir, which was a, an amalgam of, of, of a lot of different members from churches, right? Yes. Well, uh, I wouldn't call it competitions. We were just going to we called them musicals, and yes. primarily midnight musicals. Uh, we were going to sing and uh, just to just to praise God and have a good time with other young people. At that time, there were no competitions going on per se. I'm sure other members, including Clara, would would remember you'd sing a slow song and then you'd sing a fast song to try to get everybody shouting. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's that's really true. So. Now, where did you go to high school? I went to Castlemont High School in Oakland, then Laney Junior College, and then San Francisco yes. State. Coming from high school at Castlemont, the world that you were in, because what I'm trying to get a sense of is just the world that really created this and made this opportunity happen that ended up speaking to the world, right? That was from a local, a very local area, which was the, the Oakland, Richmond area. For you as a young man, you came from a church family and so and spent your time with that. Can you explain what that was in terms of just that world for you as a young man? There was a lot going on during the world during that time, similar to where we are right now. The church was really the center of our lives uh, growing up as, as uh, 
uh, in elementary school, junior yes. high school, where they call that middle school now, but uh, in high school, the church was the center. Uh, others can verify this. Uh, we were at church on Wednesday night, Friday night, uh, choir rehearsal on Saturday night, uh, Sunday school, morning, Sunday certain service that went until about three o'clock. You rushed somewhere and maybe you got to go to an afternoon musical. Then you were back for YPWW and, and night service. And don't let a revival uh, go on because the revival started Monday night and went throughout the week. Uh, the only day you had off was Saturday. So the church was really uh, the center uh, of our lives. Uh, thank God that, that some of our parents did allow us to get out and do other things. But primarily, I think that's what saved a lot of our lives uh, was that we were a church, we were based and centralized in the church. There was a statement that came out it takes a village to raise a child. Well, the church was raising the children. Then anybody could whoop somebody else's children and not get in trouble back in those days. You know, today you can't halfway look at somebody else's child without them wanting to sue you. But thanks be to God, the saints, they raised us all. And you had to, even when you went to another church, the hills knew my mama. And uh, if I did anything wrong when I went over there, uh, they'd get me and then report me back to my mom and I'd get in trouble when I got back home. So it was a, a, a wonderful uh, experience uh, being centralized in the church that, that helped to raise us and give us principles on how to be uh, godly young people. And uh, uh, it, it helped me in becoming, how should I say, trying to be a godly man uh, because I saw so many other young middle-aged and older men in the church that were getting jobs and working and supporting their families. And uh, that, that inspired me to do that from what I could see, the local, district, state level, international level of our church. When the opportunity came up and you saw that Ed was putting together this entity, what was it that excited you about it? I would say... Um, the fact of, I, I hate to say go on that first U.S. tour, but Ed was pretty popular even back in the 60s before the uh, Oh Happy Day uh, song was recorded. And uh, so to be asked to get into that choir was a great honor. I, I was already married and, and, and working full time. That's when I was working at General Motors in Fremont at nighttime and going to San Francisco State in the daytime and trying to support my family. But uh, no, uh, it, it was a great honor to be asked to get in the group. How was that once the Northern California Youth Choir and the recording experience? Because you'd already had experience doing an album with the Hebrew Boys. The commercial aspect or putting out a product that would speak to a larger audience was something that you were familiar with. What was behind it? How did you guys prep for that? Well, well let's back to, up. To want to know. Let's back up okay. so we kind of have the time frame right. Um, the Hebrew boys did not record before Oh Happy Day. Uh, we recorded while we were uh, on tour uh, in New York. We actually recorded our mm -hmm. album, but 
oh, happy day had already been made and uh, become famous. Uh, so uh, that happened after. Uh, and I'm going to tell a little funny story here. I did not participate in the original recording because I went to work that night at General Motors in Fremont. I, I didn't want to lose my job nor miss a paycheck. I said, well, it's wonderful that they're going to record, but I, I felt uh, even at that young age that I better go to work. And so all the other young people, they they benefited and started getting royalty checks. But <laughs> no, I, I missed out on the original recording because I went to work. Isn't that something? That is. That is something. That really is. And it also shows the responsibility and the mentors that you basically lived around in terms of that was important to you to do that because you had a family at that time, which was you know quite advanced for, I'm sure, your peer groups that were around there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is really good. But you did go on the tour. Yes. Had you ever been on anything like that before? Never. Never. Ever. First of all, the group was very big, large. And the whole, this was taking the village with you, right? Yeah. <laughs> on the, a yeah. lot of the parents came along on that first tour, mm -hmm. the chaperone. Can you describe that experience? Well, and then here, I want to back up on something else too. Being in my early twenties, I think we were prepared for going out on that first tour and others because of all the times that we had, like I told you, had these mu musicals locally. Uh, in, in Northern California, you know, it wasn't so much that it, it was blowing our minds because, hey, I was saying, I think we were all prepared for going on tour and being in front of thousands of people uh, because of our mindset from all the musicals that we had been to locally. We weren't basically performing for the big crowds. We were we looked at it as an opportunity to sing the gospel to those people. And while they were being entertained, we were being blessed just from singing the songs and, and praising our God. Now, this may sound crazy. I had some of my best moments, not on international stages, but in choir rehearsals. Remember, we were at the Roosevelt Junior High School in, in Oakland, and there were times that I cried like a baby when the songs were being taught to us because it was so relevant to the things that I was going through in my personal life. And I remember one of the songs, Behind Every Dark Cloud, There's a Silver Lining, and After Each Rainstorm, There's a Bright Blue Sky. And I mean, oh my goodness. Hey, did you have a few uh, cloudy days in your life growing up or, mm. or as a man? Oh, I, I certainly did. Yes. And like I said, even in rehearsals, this was an opportunity where my soul was being strengthened and being blessed and uplifted and strengthened. And so I think we were prepared for anything. Uh, I don't care who we were in front of or, or whatever, because of the, the reality of what we experienced in our local churches and in these uh these musicals that we got to participate in. No, that's such a great insight uh, because you did spend so much time rehearsing, but having the music and the words speak to yourself at the same time allowed you to be the messengers in when, in the performances at the same time. So where that music spoke to the, just the crowd in general. 
I think someone had really talked about is that the time that you guys spent uh, in musicals and, and in front of churches kind of transitioned because all of a sudden it became a business. It was musicals and churches, and then you're on tour professionally. How did that change things at all? Well, to you? for me, it didn't seem like a business. It seemed like a a, a dream uh, uh, field uh, vacation, an opportunity to go places I'd never gone before. But even though we all expenses were paid and we got a weekly paycheck, it, it was still like a, a vacation and a, a wonderful experience to be with some great young people from other churches. It, it never did seem like a business, even even so much so. I don't know how many people, I could name a few, but I don't remember all who actually quit their jobs to mm. uh, go on permanent tour. Again, I was one of the, I guess, I don't want to say bad ones or stupid ones or whatever, but after we came back from Europe, uh, I was asked to quit my job and and go on tour permanently. And I just, I couldn't do it. I, I needed the uh, security of uh, benefits and, and retirement and uh, sick leave. Uh, so I uh, had to respectfully uh, turn it down uh, because it wasn't a business. I, I wasn't looking to, uh, how should you say, make a lifetime business out of that. Exactly. I, yes. I, I, I supported my family by working and uh, I sang gospel songs to praise God. And so. No, exactly. I, I, That's great. I'm That's not great. knocking those that did, but I, I never look at it as an opportunity to go out and, and, and make a living out of I think that's an important statement in terms of how you looked at it from a long term. How did you make the arrangement to go anyway from your job, Ron? What did that take for you to say, I'm going to take advantage of this right here in the, in the short term? Well, General Motors in Fremont was very uh, proud of me, I guess you would say. They even put me in their company paper. I was able to take some time off, uh, an extended vacation, and and do these tours until finally like I said, when I was asked to quit permanently tour, I, I no, I didn't want to do that. So, but but General Motors was very nice to me in letting me take that time off. So, how, how old were you, Ron, at the time? Uh oh boy, I guess I was in my early twenties. Wow. Mm -hmm. uh, born in forty-seven, uh, sixty-seven would have been. I guess I would have been twenty and sixty-seven. Uh, right. So I was about twenty-three, twenty-four. In uh, because we I think we did the, the the first tour in '69, and then the European tour went over into 1970. So I guess it's about 23. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, did you see the movie Summer of Soul? Yes, I did. And and, and what were you? Mm -hmm. I, I'll say this. Uh, yeah, I I didn't know what Summer of Soul was. Uh, I'm saying, whoa, something something's coming on TV called Summer of Soul, and then uh, I'm, I'm looking at it, and then I see these folks walking up on the stage in green uniforms, and then I look, wait a minute, that's us. And then I saw me, and I said, oh, man, I, and I'm standing right next to Fred and Walter, and, I, and I, you know, deja vu, uh, wait a minute, we were there. I had forgotten all about us doing that Harlem Festival. Not everybody had a complete picture or remembers exactly what happened, right? Because um, 
it was such an amazing um, experience of what was going on there. And I, anyway, I know, and it was just for that day. I love how they edited it and made it really seem really connected and stuff. So um, what are the concerts? What other events on that tour really stuck out to you? I think we got an opportunity to meet and, we, and you know, like we did, we, we were doing not just big concerts, we were doing church concerts. Jason White, I'm trying to remember the name of that choir in New York. They were a recording choir. I think this was their local church choir. Can't remember the name. Maybe maybe Clara will rem remember the name of that. She gave me a note and she just said something about the Institutional, institutional Church of God in Christ. Institutional Church of God in Christ. Uh, yes, uh, we we got a chance to uh, perform at at institutional and 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 other churches in the New York area. It was just I hope I don't sound like a broken record, but just a wonderful opportunity to meet new people and to it's just an extension of the of, of all the local musicals that we had in the Bay Area. Yes, yes, it was an extension of that community. During the performances, is there anyone that stuck out as really being special to you that you just whether it's you know hey the holy spirit was just there and they were there i'm sure on all, all the performances but is there any one particular one or a soloist or particular uh incident oh boy that stands up to you oh boy um so many so many of these concerts but we're in los angeles doing a big concert with Diana Ross and the Supremes. I think the Four Tops were there. Uh, the Jackson Five, uh, they, they were known as that. And in one particular incident, we're uh, in the men's room and uh, a couple of the Jackson Five come in and they're, they're standing like this, you know, little, little boys. They, they couldn't have been more than 11 or 12 years old at the time, but one of them walks up to me and fires right in my stomach. And I'm saying, what? You know? <laughs> so I'm thinking now, wow, I could have sued that little sucker for millions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and, 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 and you guys hadn't been introduced. You didn't know who he was. Oh, I know who they were, but you know how little, right. how little boys can be bad. Yeah, he was just a yes, bad yes. little boy. What one, one of the brothers? He just came in there and saw me there, and he just decided he's gonna haul up and hit me in the stomach. And I mean, what was I gonna do? A grown man, a little boy, slap him and get put in jail or whatever? But that, that's one of the things that I remember. We when we did New York uh, in um, Yankee Stadium, we got a chance to to meet the Isley brothers. And they actually came to the recording studio and we made the Hebrew Boys album. Uh, we got to meet mm. uh, great people like that. Sergio Mendes and uh, Brazil 66 wanted us to uh, actually uh, go on tour with them. I mean, Tom Jones, uh, we did these t television shows. Oh my goodness. Look, do you guys remember this French actor Singer Laurent Chevalier. Oh, Chevalier! Yes, yeah, we gotta absolutely. we gotta do a concert and where he was either having words or or being the master of ceremonies. I think it was the Grand Gala du Disc. So many wonderful opportunities that we had. Uh, we did one stupid thing, and I'm going to say stupid because I still think it's stupid today. Uh, George Harrison and the Beatles had us to do the background to to, to some song. 
hallelujah. And then he had us to sing Hare Krishna. And I didn't know what we My were. Sweet Lord. It was called My Sweet Lord. My that Sweet was the Lord. Name of the song. And I'm saying, wait a minute. I'm singing some songs that I don't, I'm saying some words that I don't know what they stand for. Uh, to this day, I think we were uh, praising a, a false god. <laughs> But uh, I didn't even know you guys sang that background. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. So let me ask this because this speaks to this because of all these international stars and and everybody's reaction to the choir. What was it? Do you think that drew them to that? That embraced that? Because you were in a lot of times the choir was the fish out of water in the midst of these rock and these jazz stars and these festivals that uh, the, the the choir was the only gospel group in the midst of that i think it was the words of the song not only the uh the uh, beautiful and unusual melodies and the and the rearrangements that it did for oh happy day but when you just really stop and think about it oh happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. That's something that all denominations can, can look at. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Uh, even the people that don't know God, it's a, it's a message to them that it's a happy day when he did that for you. Uh, and then, you know, we go into the back part. He taught me how to watch, fight, and pray, and live rejoicing every day. I think the words, uh, as, as well as the melodic tune, have a lot to do with it. Yes, yes, yes. Now, is there any one besides Oh Happy Day song? Each one of them has its own story. The, the lyrics that you sang earlier, I'm Going Through, is one of my favorites. The one that Marguerite sang, as a matter of fact. You know, Joy Joy is another one, too. That's, that must have been pretty amazing each night, not knowing, really walking into a place that you've never been in before and not knowing what was going to happen that evening. Yeah. Um, I'll weep no more. It's time to rise and shine. Wipe the tears from your eyes. Why? Because he's mine, all mine. Uh, I mean, <laughs> like I said, in choir rehearsal, uh, you couldn't pay for a psychiatrist to uplift you any better than learning the, the words to those songs and those melodies and singing them. Because then, bang, you can apply it right to your individual life and be uplifted from whatever madness in life you were going through. No, that was very, 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 very special. Now, Ron, did you participate in the um, second album at all? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, in all the ones afterwards, yes. Oh, and all the, okay. None of them superseded that first album though, right? No, no. It was just that uh, remarkable uh, sound from that recorded at Ephesians there with, I think it was a two-track machine. It was just an unusual sound that got placed on tape. It was. It seems simple too, that that was probably the most basic of the way to record it. But the sound of that space and that volume was so angelic. It just really, even to this day, it sounds like it's there today. Uh, I have a question for you because you talked about, Ed, in arranging the music. How many other hands were in that that shaped the sound of the choir? I think uh, just like um, the Holy Spirit gives various gifts to the body of Christ, 
for the building up and the edification of each and every member of the body of Christ worldwide. I think the, the Holy Spirit was using various individuals to work along with Ed's gift to make it what it became. Betty Watson was our, was our president. She was an outstanding uh, young lady and singer before the state choir got formed. Uh, I don't remember if Pastor Hill was in our district or not, but we had a district uh, that Betty Watson was the president of the choir of that district. Her father was the superintendent. It was like a big convocation when we had district meetings back in those days. Alice Gill and Barbara Gill, you, I, I'm kind of going back over people who were big influences in my life, but uh, they, they were a few years older than me. And I remember Andre Crouch coming down to uh, to Prayer Garden and doing an album with them at the local church there. And th there were so many, I don't want to say big names, but talented young people. When we came together as that choir to rehearse, uh, I think God was using those individual gifts and talents to mold, to make it what it was. Dorothy Combs, uh, the Combs family was, how should I say, bad, good, you know, a good bad, yes. back in the 50s and the 60s. You take Dorothy's le leading the song, Ed's arrangement, Harley on, on the bass guitar. I mean, all the different, I I'm saying talents and gifts molded together to make it what it was. By the, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, yes, and I think uh, I remember talking to Clara about that was uh, the preparation of the choir to really bring the Holy Spirit into that experience, that that be in that music, to be in that song, so that it would minister to anybody that that heard it. Um, and I always was amazed about it when going onto YouTube and the technology that we have today, right, which didn't exist. And you tap in and you type in, oh, happy day. And you see just the comments of that people have about it. And especially, you know, the Vietnam War was such a, a part of the world and what was going on right now. And young men were going into the unknown and some of them not coming back, as we all know, in our own particular families. But many of them said that that was what they held on to or provided them cover in some harrowing times, which is amazing. So this is one of the things that I hope this can really, those that hear this story understand about the Holy Spirit and about anointing and how it can be into an event, especially in terms of us, you know, that have a gift being an artist, that what makes it different? What, what's your thought about that? Well, it's one thing to be talented, but it's another thing to be anointed because the anointing uh, precedes talent and, and you don't have to be talented to be anointed. And uh, that's to me the, the most important thing. You can get up on stage and sing and, and how, how should I say, entertain uh, those that are listening, but the entertainment is not gonna necessarily lead to deliverance. It's not going to give them what they need to live this abundant life that, that Jesus told us he came to give us. 
give us life and give it more abundantly. Uh, and it's, how should I, I hope I'm not taking this out of context, but okay. Uh, I'm having a bad day. And uh, so uh, I go get me some Johnny Walker and uh, drink the whole bottle and all of my troubles have gone away. And I wake up the next morning and my troubles are, are, are still there, but I, got, I, I may have a headache. Uh, uh, but with, with the anointing, uh, I get delivered from the pain of that anointing. And then when I wake up the next morning, the, the problems are still there, but I'm able to deal with them and not have a hangover. A am I making sense? No, definitely. Uh, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't want to knock Johnny Walker uh, uh, <laughs> or any of the other things, uh, because uh, at my age, at 74 right now, if I do, if I do too much work, if I, if I don't exercise or whatever, I get something called sore. Uh, or if I drive too long in my car, I, I get out and ooh, I'm I'm stiff, I'm sore, and I am so glad for pain pills and, uh, from time <laughs> to time. Uh, so God created these things uh, for for certain reasons, but the real relief is in the anointing. Again, I, I don't want to take it out of context, but to be talented is one thing, but to be anointed is another thing. I'm not going to name the name of this artist who did this wonderful concert with another big name artist. They they put this thing together and it was wonderful. But if you look at the production, you can see, I'm, I'm not saying they were going through the motions, but they were sounding good. Oh, it was great. Uh, but there was no anointing in it. There was all kind of talent. And so if you just listen to the album, wow, it sounds great. But when, when the video came out, you could see the person was singing and tearing the place up. And they were standing there like, well, I'm just, I got to get, let me hurry up and get through with this. So uh, I, I just, it, I, lo I love talent, but I, I even love more anointing. I love that. So what, what message do you think resonates today from that, from the choir, the experience that we can take away? Well, I thank God for placing me with a group of young people that were uh, about praising God. Uh, not only, my mother used to tell me, don't, I used to say it's fun going to church. She said, don't say that. Don't say it's, it's fun going to church, but it was and it is fun. Forgive me, mom. It's wonderful. It's, I'm using the word fun. It's fun praising God. I, I, I'm a praiser. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I, I'm a superintendent, but I'm a praiser. I want God to look at me not as any type of man given title, but uh, I, I want to hear him say, well done, Ronnie. You praised me. You didn't sing as good as Stevie Wonder, but you praised me with your whole heart. And, and it didn't matter that you weren't Stevie Wonder or the 
the gap band or earth wind and fire you right. praised me and that's all that mattered so i i think that's what i want to thank god for introducing me uh to to ed and to clara and to her sister and brother and all the other folks in the choir because well i'm gonna just say we had fun praising god well ron i really appreciate <laughs> this conversation I, I really appreciate it so I, I i know at the end of the day that when it all comes together it's going to speak to you know just people that hear it so thanks for sharing that time with us today okay yeah we were we were really blessed and we still are this episode was produced and edited by Stephen clara williams for kite flyer productions listen and follow for free wherever you listen to podcasts